most people are not going to take the step of moving all the way to Puerto Rico, but you know, it, it's just, it's fun for me to, to strategize and mastermind with, you know, any friends, potential investors and, and just people I just know that, that just look at their situation and try to figure out what's the, the optimal way for them both to invest. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there, but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Jack Krupe. And today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not yet familiar with Jack, he's the founder and principal of JCAM Alternative Investments, an asset management firm focused on sharing private investment opportunities with accredited investors to help them grow their wealth without Wall Street. Jack, my man, it is great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, pumped to have this conversation. We're going to dive into a lot of uh, interesting topics uh, that I that I want to hear more about, and I'm sure listeners will as well. Before we do that, um, tell us more about your background and your story. Sure. So I've been in real estate over 20 years now. I know I don't look that old, but uh, 43 <laughs> years old. Um, got into real estate right after college. I uh, actually thought I was going to go into the uh, computer information technology industry, but uh, graduated during the dot-com crisis and uh, ended up going to Vegas and uh, realizing I you know, had a job, but I didn't really like it. It wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be and bought a book on real estate, one of those Hudson News paperbacks on how to make money in real estate, no money down. And uh Got back to uh, Rochester, New York, where I went to college and was still living and called my college landlord in the, you know, 2001, 2002, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage. So even a <laughs> 21, 22-year-old kid was able to buy a house, almost no money down. And you know, within a year, I bought four. And within about 18 okay. months, I quit my job and was full-time in real estate. And uh, you know, really started with the traditional fix and flip, owned one and two family houses, and quickly realized it was really tough to scale. And I, you know, I quit my job, and then I created myself a new job, and uh, <laughs> you know, wasn't exactly happy. Um, and then in 2008, during the financial crisis, I, I backed into Wall Street. I ended up uh, working for a private equity fund in New York that was buying non-performing mortgages after the crisis, and uh, had a crazy run in that business. Ended up selling uh, at one point, and I had a pile full of money and. Uh, um, had been investing in syndication deals just passively for a while and then uh, built my new business, JCAM Investments, uh, uh, really around uh, providing these opportunities because for years I couldn't couldn't raise money. I had Wall Street pension fund money and I was just part of a bigger shop, but uh, people asking to invest with me for years. And once I was finally on my own, I created my own uh, business and uh, we primarily invest in multifamily syndications, but we do a little bit of uh, self-storage, mobile home and really all the traditional uh, you know, private investment funds that uh, allow for, you know, I think a superior uh, return on investment, superior tax benefits, and really just wealth without Wall Street. Yeah, we're definitely aligned in that way. I mean, that's kind of what I focus on as well, especially on from the on the passive side. As soon as I discovered passive investing it was a game changer for me, right? Because I can invest in all these great asset classes, right? And uh, and just like team up with all these sponsors. And it was absolutely fantastic. So we're definitely aligned in that way. Uh, we talked a little bit of, uh, before we hit record about um, a defining moment in your life, really a turning point, which you've kind of dubbed your your last straw moment. So if you can, I think a lot of our listeners will probably take uh, some stuff away from that. Uh, walk us through that, what that was and what the significant was that it played in your life. 
Yes. Yeah, so when I was in New York, you know, I'd had years of just being uh, a passive investor and an active investor in Rochester. And, you know, I had the, all the great tax benefits and I owned a bunch of properties. And all of a sudden I backed into Wall Street and I, w- I never thought I was going to work, you know, in private equity or Wall Street. I actually met the character from Big Short that worked at Deutsche Bank, okay. the, the Ryan Gosling character in the movie. Um, but, you know, in the book, they use his real name, Greg Lippman, you know, runs Liebermax. So I'm in meetings where we're selling our securitizations and, you know, this guy who's literally made a movie about uh, is, is sitting <laughs> in the meeting. So it, and then, awesome. you know, we dealt with Goldman Sachs, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. And, uh, you know, I was making more money than I ever thought I would in my life, but I was miserable. You know, it was that that New York City grind of just, you know, you know, just working a lot of hours and just it wasn't the passive income. I got into real estate to have passive income. And, you know, a lot of people sort of start with a W-2 and, uh, you know, have a hard time breaking the golden handcuffs. But I, I'd i seen the other side. I was an entrepreneur that I sort of backed into and I owned a piece of the business, but I was trapped in it because we had a, a large private equity fund that, you know, owned a majority of us. So I, I just got to a point where I, I just, it wasn't worth the money. And since I owned a piece of the business, my my K-1 was more than my W-2. So I, I, I said to ask myself, I'm in New York City paying, you know, ungodly amount in rent sure. and I'm losing half of my salary to taxes and I'm not happy. So uh, I, I knew of the tax benefits when I was younger, but I didn't really appreciate them until I was paying 50% tax rate. So I, I really just dedicated myself to finding the tax efficiencies available. Um, and that's what uh, originally led me into syndications. Um, eventually, I ended up leaving the firm as an employee and realized that I actually made more money quitting my job because the moment I was no longer an employee and I owned a minority stake, it was actually passive income. Oh, and wow. the investments I could make from syndications then offset the passive income. Um, I also moved to Puerto Rico. I mean, this would be a whole other episode on uh, you know Puerto Rico tax benefits, but um, yeah, I moved to Puerto Rico to take advantage of it. And now, you know, most people are not going to take the step of moving all the way to Puerto Rico, but you know, it, it's just, it's fun for me to, to strategize and mastermind with, you know, any friends, potential investors, and, and just people I just know that to just look at their situation and try to figure out what's the, the optimal way for them both to invest and uh, also to just, you know, design their lifestyle in a way, a way that makes them, you know, makes them happy and is, is the most efficient, whether it's maximizing retirement accounts, referring them to, um, you know, people who could do defined benefit plans, the, the infinite banking side of it, uh, really, you know, growing the four, the solo 401ks properly. And it's just fun for me. And, and on the side points and miles, because I, I love to travel and uh, use my business expenses to, uh, I'm a little too fat to fly coach. And I, it's, it's my one, my, my one luxury I, I, I will allow myself now is I, I try to try not to fly coach at all costs. And, uh, you know, it allows me to travel places I would never have done because I look forward to the travel instead of dreading the travel. Yeah, you've really taken your life and you, you've created what you wanted, right? You've taken it in your own control and you built, you know, what this vision you had and you've and you've kind of built that for yourself. So for people who are kind of in a similar situation that you were, right? Are there any sort of like tips or tricks or maybe some advice you could give them like how should they be, you know, strategizing or thinking about things while they're in their W2 and looking to kind of create that life by design? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, everyone's situation is different. But uh, one of the, the, the major loopholes is if you have a spouse, and your spouse can become a real estate professional. And you know, there's a lot more to it, you have to consult your accountant, and I'm not giving official tax advice. But right. um, I know a number of high earning professionals who um, own a number of properties and their wife qualifies with the 750 hours in the real estate profession and 500 hours specifically in property management. 
So that's something that, you know, if you actually like your job and you're just, you know, kind of trapped in taxes, um, you know, there are some great efficiencies there. Um, there's some loopholes around Airbnb as well. Um, if you, you know, purchase a, a short-term rental and you do, you know, you're the only one doing the work for a period of time, like you buy one right. in December, put it in service. So there are some loopholes. And then the oil and gas investing offsets W-2 income. So for, for the W-2 earners, those are kind of the three three things we hone in on. And uh, oil and gas doesn't help me, but I did want some diversification. And I've done really well with some oil and gas investments. And they it offsets at about 80 cents of the dollar of W-2 income per year. So I, I had, uh, you know, one of my friends and investors goes to me in like October of last year is like, what is the best return of investment I can get? You know, he, he says guarantee. I never use the word, I, I try never to use the word guarantee. But I said, in this case, you know, I can guarantee you, you would get a K-1 loss this year and at your W-2 income, you'll actually save 40% of your taxes. So that's as close to a guaranteed return as you all hear in my mouth. So, um, <laughs> you know, those are a couple on the investment side. And then, um, you know, things like rolling over solo 401ks, you know, if you've changed jobs in the last few years and you just rolled it over to Fidelity or TD Ameritrade, I mean, unlocking that into, um, you know, into a, a self-managed solo 401k, even if you have another W-2, if you have any self-employment income, can be a side hustle. It's not about contributing. It's about if you have you know a half million or a million dollars built up, mm. it's about just getting the solo poor one open and using that to you know to to generate wealth through investing in these alternative asset classes and outside the stock market. Sure. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think we could probably go into a whole episode just on the oil and gas investment because I know that a lot of listeners will be super interested in hearing about that. So we might have to get you on a little bit later. But uh, I do want to talk about the alternative as uh, investment aspect of it, right? Your your company name is JKM Alternative Investments. Obviously, we're talking about alternative investments. But uh, for guys like you and me, I think that, uh, you know, we, we hear the word alternative investment and there's a couple of things that rings true, right? These are things outside of the stock market, but at the same time, uh, real estate for, again, for guys like you and me, isn't really alternative at this point, right? That's kind of one of our main things. So so when you're talking to people about alternative investments, let's say, you know, whether it be real estate or something else, um, can you tell us more about those and like what those conversations look like? And then also maybe we can dive into what those alternative investments are and then how they compare versus say more tr traditional investments like the stock market. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to quote my friend Stuart, who I think said it on my show. He goes, real estate's not an alternative investment. It's the original investment. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's yeah. good. Um, so I got, I got to give him credit for that. So um, yeah. So you know, again, my background was I started doing single family, two family houses. So for for a lot of the, the investors we're talking to, you know, their first thought is always, oh, let me just buy a duplex or buy a single family or buy an Airbnb. And it, it's just really tough to scale, especially if you're new or especially if you have another business, a successful business or a successful full-time job. And often you're, you're not going to do any better actively than someone who is a real expert passively. And uh, primarily the, the main asset class that we focus on is value-add apartment buildings. Sure. And um, you know, these are stabilized, generally stabilized you know, not in deep distress, but the, the perfect deal is something where there's some value to add, whether it was built in 1980s and the prior owners just were, were only painting and they weren't really aggressively renovating. And a lot of them just get asleep at the wheel. If you've owned a building 20, 30 years, it's paid down, uh, maybe paid off. And, uh, you know, you just don't need to, to grind every dollar out of, uh, you know, out of the building. So you get kind of old and lazy with it. And those are the, the perfect scenarios is, is buying one of those apartment complexes and just running it way more professionally. And as units become available, there's a combination of just raising rents 
and or when people do move out, doing a renovation, new paint, new carpet, new kitchen cabinets, sure. uh, new flooring, and that that could often raise the rent three to five hundred dollars per unit in, in some cases. Now, when you're buying a building at a five percent cap rate, if you're raising the rent by five every five thousand dollars in income, you could multiply that by by twenty. You could be raising the value of building a hundred thousand per unit per five to ten thousand dollars, maybe fifteen at most in renovation right. per unit. And you do that across fifty to hundred units, and you're raising the value of the building by millions of dollars. So we're forcing appreciation in that point. And it doesn't matter if interest rates go up another point, uh, what happens with, with, with the world, um, rents do keep up with inflation. So the reason we focus on that asset class is regardless of what happens with the economy, we control, we control our own destiny. And, uh, and that is going to beat the stock market. You know, if, if, if it's, if you execute properly, that should beat the stock market regardless. And there's a lot of people who are skeptics who say, well, you know, nobody beats the stock market, even the best hedge fund managers and real estate and alternatives are completely different than the stock market. You could buy a business with a 20% profit margin and you wouldn't think anything of it. And if you buy a dry cleaner or, sure. or really any brick and mortar business, and, you know, I look at alternative investments as investing in a business, um, apartment complex, mobile home right. park, self-storage. Um, the value add play is, is it's the same, but different and self-storage. You may be buying a complex that doesn't have any climate controlled units. And by adding some climate control, you can raise, raise rents. Maybe you start doing U-Hauls. Um, every one of these scenarios has a, has a, a business strategy that will increase, increase the profits and increase the net operating income. And, uh, you know, ultimately the fact that these are not publicly available, um, you need to be an accredited investor. You know, you could do limited advertising now, but historically, these were what we call country club deals. Right. And, you know, because you can't just go on E-Trade and click a button and buy, it's just more difficult to raise capital. And because of that, you know, our, our fund and our partners, uh, just the returns that are available are, are higher just because you, you need to provide higher returns and higher incentives to, to get people's attention, um, you know, in, in this space. So it, it's a... You know, it, it's a great space, and I, I I do firmly believe that you know the average accredited investor who's you know worth between one and twenty million in, in any cases, like you're not big enough to have a family office. You're not mostly you're stuck with traditional financial advisors who don't have a lot of incentive to offer these types of deals because if you take a couple hundred thousand into one of these deals, that's less money you have in the stock market. That's less money right. they make. So um, yeah, it's 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 been this kind of out there thing, and part of my mission, and, and I, I believe yours as well, is to just to uh, get the word out more and, and, and just get people more more education and, and, and access to uh, deals that are superior to the to the market in many ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's huge, right? And it's it's about being in the right place at the right time and with the right people. And so, you know, for as someone like you who has experience with many different uh, alternative assets, right? You've built this network that's allowed you to participate in some really interesting investments, whether that's multifamily, self-storage, oil and gas, and the list goes on. Uh, I know you've been in a, a number of other things as well. So, um, but I think for many of the listeners that might be interested in this type of diversification that maybe they're a credit investor, maybe they have a financial advisor and that's all they know, right? Uh, they typically run into two problems, right? Which is one, they don't know much about um, that type of investment if they know anything about it. And two, they don't know where to find that type of opportunity. So do you have any suggestions or advice for those investors who are kind of in that position, that that high earning W-2 who's stuck with the financial advisor who is actually looking to get into these alternative investments, but don't know where to start? Um, yeah. I mean, podcasts like yours, podcasts like mine, uh, there's there's tons of information out there. Uh, yeah, it's very niche, but you know, there's the first step is just, you know, lot of free resources out there. 
Um, next step is attending a live event. Um, many, gotcha. many cities have, have local meetups. There's usually a few uh, operators in most major cities, but there's also a lot of really big events. Um, I ended up missing it this year just because of a conflict, but you know, best ever was a few weeks ago in Salt right. Lake and they probably had a thousand people there. And for me, I can read a lot on the internet. You know, I would be on bigger pockets. I would be, you know, listening to podcasts, calling up operators, getting on their mailing list, digest, digesting the information, but there's no substitute for meeting other people that are successfully doing it, both, both operators. So you can meet face to face and really spend some time, but also other people in the same boat as you. Um, and that, that's, that's to me more than anything. And even 20 years ago, when I'd seen infomercial, like a Carlton Sheets thing on how to do things, no money down, <laughs> there, there's no substitute for going to a local meetup and meeting somebody who started three years before me mm. and was successfully doing it, successfully making money, you know, successfully transitioning, leaving a W2 job and, and going full-time as a passive investor. And, um, you know, you, you do both of those things, just digesting a lot of knowledge for free and then meeting real people doing it. And and exchanging information. A lot of our deals, very rarely are we investing in a deal with a stranger. Um, right. You know, it's it's people that I started investing with personally well before the company was formed, mm. or it's people that we're in mastermind groups with. And that's the third level. That's something that, you know, if you're really going full force, you know, there are paid membership groups where where it's just a different caliber of, of person. You know, it's, it's you go to a meetup, any, any Yahoo could show up at a, a meetup, <laughs> but if you're going to an event where people are paying uh, you know, a few thousand dollars to, right. uh, to attend, you know, it's a curated group of people. Often they invest with each other. So you can go into a deal with eyes wide open with other successful people who are, you know, confirming their track record, confirming that, uh, that the deals have went well, or even if a deal doesn't go perfectly well is the communication there. Um, you know, oil and gas, as an example, in 2020, during COVID, there was a point where oil was negative for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, so there was a period of a few months, the deals weren't exactly profitable, but the communication was there. Mm. And, you know, I don't want them to pump oil out of the ground when it's $5 a barrel. Right, uh, right. You wait, wait a couple months and you wait and all of a sudden, fast forward a year, Putin invades Ukraine and oil went up above 100 for a period of time. So, um, you know, communication is key. You know, there's been some interest rate challenges over the last year as well. So, um, you know, luckily we're in 30 plus deals in our first fund. So there's a few that distributions are, are slow or on hold until interest rates stabilize. The, 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 prop, the properties aren't in trouble, but some of the cash flow isn't what was expected. So, um, you know, we're, we're communicating actively on, on that for the few properties that are challenged. And luckily the others that have fixed rate debt are spitting off cash like crazy because rents have went up significantly and our interest rates are locked below 4%. So um, I know I kind of go off on these rants no, here, yeah. but uh, yeah, attend live events, digest as much information as possible and, and just, uh, you know, put yourself out there and, uh, you know, and th things will build a, build upon themselves. I think that's uh, you know, that's one thing that can't be overstated as a passive investor, right? It's really uh, as soon as you get in the right circles and you can have these referrals for these sponsors and these syndicators, that's when you start making the good moves, right? Because I know when I first started in passive investing, I didn't really have that. I was, I was pretty new and I was kind of just doing my own thing, you know, as a passive investor, learning due diligence and all that stuff, right? And uh, made a couple of investments. And, you know, it turns out I really didn't know that much, you know, because I, you know, as I grew as a passive investor, I started, you know, uh, learning more and connecting with other people. I looked back and was like, man, I really kind of just threw some money out there at that point, you know? So be, after I started getting referrals from people, joining masterminds, even paying for masterminds, that's when, um, uh, 
my experience as a passive uh, investor really grew, right? And so I was able to really get in good deals with good sponsors and that kind of accelerated that quite a bit faster than if I would have just been doing this on my own and just kind of reading books and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, I love that point. Um, you know, earlier uh, we talked about um, kind of, you know, alternative assets and all that stuff, but what alternative assets are you most excited about or keeping an eye on considering, you know, there may be some turbulent times in the near future before, you know, before we started uh, talking, we talked a little bit about what's going on with the banks right now, but uh, where are you seeing the opportunity and uh, what are you kind of keeping an eye on right now? Um, so, I mean, multifamily is still a big part of things and that some of that is just demographics where in the Southeast and Sunbelt, the average baby boomers is uh, turning 65. We're really at a tipping point for, um, baby boomers retiring and mm. hence why unemployment, even with, you know, you're, you're hearing headlines about layoffs, but ultimately there's still a worker shortage until Jeff, until chat GPT takes all the jobs. Um, <laughs> I, I still think we have a, you know, a good run of, uh, of the, you know, a lack of labor. So, you know, multifamily, the workforce housing component of it is, is still a big component of it. Um, oil and gas is a big component of it. Uh, I follow an economist named Peter Zihan, and he puts out a lot of interesting content about just worldwide economics and you know, potential supply shortages for ongoing period of time. The amount of products that Russia or Ukraine were the number one or number two export of, or of you know, nickel, copper, there, there's the list goes on and on. And a lot of the rare earths, um, it's, it would, okay. the, the amount of rare earths needed to make every car electric you know, it, it's, we've never mined enough in history to do that. So um, it, it's not like you can go three years ahead and, and say all cars will be electric because there's not enough components. So um, I like those asset classes. And one that we haven't touched upon yet that's, uh, I think, very interesting is uh, uh, the model of private equity called search funds, where okay. um, it's basically, a, it's instead of a venture capital fund that's investing in startups, what they're doing is they're buying existing cash flowing businesses, primarily off of baby boomers. And they'll install uh, a CEO that went to Harvard or Stanford that doesn't want to go to Wall Street. They want to buy an existing business. And they'll buy these businesses at pretty good multiples, sometimes four to five times earnings, um, because these are you know profitable, but not big enough to sell to you know a large private equity fund. Gotcha. And uh, these are, you know, to me, it's a great balance because you still have upside because similar to the value add in multifamily, often you have a business where the owner is doing well, he's making a few million bucks a year, he's got a highly profitable business, but he wants to play golf four days a week. And you, you come in and you install a sophisticated management team. And because it's part of a fund, often they have other connections where they can you know, increase profitability, create new partnerships. And uh, so I have, other than real estate and oil and gas, my single largest personal allocation is into a fund that owns 20 different portfolio companies that they own a, a piece of. And they're doing that model of, uh, you know, buying existing businesses, trying to grow them. That is, that's actually super interesting. And I got to be honest with you, we could probably just do a whole episode of me just asking questions about that because uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about that. But um, yeah, man, awesome. Awesome to hear that. Love that you uh, are still um, a big fan of multifamily and the oil and gas stuff. Uh, we're gonna have to bring you back on. Maybe we can talk more about oil and gas and uh, and the search funds that you uh, just mentioned uh, before. So, but man, it's been a great conversation. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on the show. Before we get out of here though, tell the listeners more about JCAM, anything else you have going on and how they can get in contact with you 
Sure. So uh, we, uh, we have our own podcast called Alternative Investor Mastermind, and Dana, I'd love to have you on in the future as well. Awesome. Um, our website is JKM Investments. That's J-K-A-M, short for JK Asset Management, which was the original company, jkminvestments.com. And uh, we have two Reg D 506C funds. One is fully diversified, where you can own a piece of up to 20 different apartment buildings, self-storage facilities, all within one fund. So you have a lot of diversification and we have a second platform where you can pick and choose individual assets. If you're somebody who likes to really dive in and you want to be only in one deal, uh, you, know, you have the ability to, to control your own destiny and pick and choose individual uh, syndicated deals to be a part of. So um, love to network with anyone. You can tell from, you know, from, from me, I've got a passion for this. Uh, I love to have those one-on-one -on -one strategy calls to try to help find that efficiency um, for you do some informal tax guidance. I'm not a CPA, but I, I will, <laughs> I will, I will go deep on taxes and, and give you a list of questions to talk to your CPA about. So would encourage everyone to reach out. We're also on all social media, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and, uh, you know, reach out on your platform of choice. Awesome. Jack, we're going to make sure to put that stuff in the show notes so our listeners can reach out and connect with you and learn more about what you got going on. Jack, man, this has been an awesome conversation, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. My pleasure. Look forward to doing it again. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.